Okay, if you would turn to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. We're going to read verses 26 through 29. Of course, this is at the, the time that Jesus um, ate, instituted the Lord's Supper with his disciples. In verse 26, it says, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for the remission of sins. Of course, remission of sins means descending away. That's what remission means, sending away. Our sins are sent away by the blood of Christ. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So tonight we're going to look at the Lord's meal. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity we have to assemble together and to study your word and uh, be reminded of the death, and the burial and resurrection of our Savior, the blood that was shed for the remission of our sins. And I pray, Father, that we would allow you to speak to our hearts, to encourage us, to draw us into a closer relationship with Him. And I pray, Father, that there be any that have some doubts, uh, some things in their lives that are not pleasing. I pray, Father, that you deal with their hearts tonight and help them to see the need to draw near to Thee and seek Your blessing and Your cleansing uh, from sin. May You be glorified in all this done, we pray in Jesus' name. J.M. Frost said this concerning the ordinances, which would be baptism and the Lord's Supper. He said, Here we come face to face with the only two ordinances in the gospel, the Lord's baptism and the Lord's Supper. It is the Lord's baptism. It's the Lord's Supper. Presented to us in great force and significance, they are the Lord's because they were observed by him, appointed by him, commanded by him, set by him in the churches to teach and to emphasize certain great facts and doctrines concerning himself. One came at the opening and the other at the close of his public life. Having observed them both, he perpetuated them in his churches and for those that are his. They are placed by him in the churches and each local body of believers. They are entrusted to its care to serve noble and sublime purposes within the circle of its own membership. The one, an introduction of members upon a profession of personal faith and a personal savior, the other a service often repeated among the members in recognition and memory of their Lord and of their relationship to him and to his death. It is of immense importance that these two ordinances should be held as they were first placed, held in their integrity and purity, and preserved in the unique and lofty purpose for which they were given. They have come down to us losing nothing of force, nothing of their rare charm. They have now precisely the same meaning as when he first observed them and fixed them in his churches, unquote. And of course, you know, we're not talking about baptism tonight, but we'll, we'll mention a little bit, but as we consider, think about it, the Lord's Supper. It is the Lord's uh, Supper. 
it was a memorial or something to do in remembrance of him. Uh, and it was a memorial given to the churches. Uh, in, in verses that we read here, he says, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it, and broke it, and gave to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And, and of course, the Bible tells us that they did this, and, 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 uh, uh, Corinthians tells us that we're to do this in remembrance of Him. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us how often we are to do it. That's, of course, that's church. That's a church issue, a local church issue. Um, but we are to do it in remembrance of Him. You know, the, the word memorial means something to preserve the memory of. And you know, to the eleven disciples, of course, this was something. In fact, he saw. He said that he was going to eat the Passover with him, which he did. This was something similar to the Passover because the Passover was to be a memorial, a reminder. In fact, go to Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12 and verses 21 through 27 of Exodus 12. <clears throat> Exodus 12, 21. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. Ye shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip, dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lentil and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin and none of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning. The Lord will pass through and smite the Egyptians. When he seeth the blood upon the lentil and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door, not suffer the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. And ye shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever. And it shall come to pass, when ye become into the land, which the Lord will give you, according as he hath promised, that ye shall keep this service. And it shall come to pass, when your children say unto you, What mean ye by this service? That ye shall say, It is a sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt, when he smote the Egyptians, and delivered our houses, and the people bowed the head and worshipped. So the Passover, you know, the first Passover was really what protected them from the death angel that passed through the land of Egypt. But Moses told them, look, you're to do this every year at this time as a memorial, as a reminder. And that's what the Lord's Supper is. We're to do it as a reminder of what Jesus Christ did for us in, in the cross of Calvary where his body was broken and put to death. His blood was shed for the remission of our sins. In fact, 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says that Christ is our what? Passover. He is our Passover. He's, you know, just as the death angel passed over those houses or did not enter the houses, we are delivered from death because of what Christ did for us. We're passed over, if you will, from the death angel. Death has no more power over us because we have passed from death unto life. John 5, 24 tells us. So, so you know, it's a memorial meal. It's, a, it's due in remembrance of Him. And so, uh, it's, it's, it's a reminder. It is for the members of the church. Again, Jesus gave this to His disciples. And it says, as they were eating, verse 26, Jesus took bread and blessed it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And, and again, he gave it to them, verse 27. So it was for his disciples. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the most 
uh, lengthy and most extensive teaching on this ordinance in the Bible, we find that uh, time and time again, he uses the word, uh, when ye come together. For example, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 17. Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that ye, that ye come together, not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when ye come together in the church. Verse uh, 20 again. When ye come together, therefore, into one place. And then verse 33, uh, again it says, when ye come together, uh, when ye therefore come together to eat. And so four times he uses a phrase, when ye come to deliver. And verse 23 he says, he delivered un- I have delivered unto you, and do show unto you, and so on and so forth. So, so this was for the members of the church. And, and, and you know, even the, the Passover, no strangers would eat Passover. In Exodus chapter 12 and verse 43, the Bible says, And the Lord said unto Moses and Aaron, This is the ordinance of the Passover. There shall no stranger eat thereof. In other words, if you weren't a Jew, you weren't to participate in the Passover, the memorial meal. If you weren't a believer like the Jew, one of, one of God's children, and of course you bring it over to the New Testament, if you aren't a child of God, the Passover is, or, the, or the Lord's Supper is not for you. If you're not a member of the church, it's not for you. It's not for you. It is not for anyone, strangers who stop by to visit, so they can join together in a religious observance. It's not just a religious observance. You know, many, many consider it you know, some kind of religious observance that's going to bring them good fortune or God's blessing or something, you know. Remember some years ago we had a lady come in after the service started, to sit down in the back seat. And after she figured out we weren't having the Lord's Supper, she got up and left. You know, the people, you know, it, you know churches, quote-unquote, you know, advertise that Easter, or the, or, you know, around Resurrection Sunday and Christmas, you know, we're, we're, we're serving communion for anyone who would like to come and participate. It's not a religious observance. It's something that we do in remembrance of what Christ did for us in shedding His blood and dying for our sins. And strangers are not to eat therein. In fact, you know, the Bible tells us, you know, it doesn't tell us in Matthew here, but in the First Corinthians, Paul goes into a lengthy discussion about who should participate and that there should be an examination done. You know, so there, it's, it's also for members after examination. You know, Judas left. Judas was sent out before this was instituted. You notice in Matthew chapter 26 again, in the preceding verses, it says, And as they did eat, he said, Verily I send you what one of you shall betray me. They were seeing sorrowful and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. A son of man goeth, as it was written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? And he answered and said unto him, Thou hast said. And so, you know, it is for those that are members of the Lord's churches. And so, there is for members after examination. If you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, just briefly. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And really, there's to be a member of the Lord's churches, 
there's really two examinations. One is in entrance. What do we ask of you when you desire to membership? A testimony. A testimony of salvation. That's really that's an examination. And so we examine one's profession of faith in Christ and their submission to baptism. So this is done by the church when one joins. Or, you know, they can either join by baptism or transfer from a like-minded church as possible. Oh, but, you know, this is, this, is, this is the pattern throughout the Bible. Even John the Baptist required some evidence before he baptized. Look at, look at uh, um, I'll keep a place here, we'll be back to here, but in Matthew chapter 3, Matthew chapter 3, you remember John the Baptist was baptizing and and in verse 5, it says, Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all region about Jordan, and were baptized of him in Jordan. What's the stipulation? Confessing their sins. And then it says, And when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said to them, O generation of vipers. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think he thought they were saved. He said, You guys are a bunch of vipers. Who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits, meat. The word meat means fit or suitable for repentance. In other words, you haven't demonstrated by your life that you're truly saved. You're a bunch of vipers. Can you imagine the preacher telling you, you're a bunch of vipers? That was John the Baptist. And think not to say within yourselves, and this is what they relied on, we have Abraham to our father, for I say unto you that God is able with these stones to raise up children unto him. Oh, Abraham's our father, therefore we're children of God. He said, no, you're not. You're a bunch of vipers. See, John required a testimony of salvation. Some evidence of that. Evidence of repentance. And so that's, that's what, you know, baptism. And we see this throughout the Bible, in you know, Acts chapter 8, uh, the, of course, when Philip went down to Samaria, the Bible says in verse 12 that, that those that believed, they, he baptized, uh, verse 12 tells us, and then he goes out to the Ethiopian eunuch, and the Ethiopian eunuch asked him in uh, verse 36, uh, See, here's water, what doth hinder me to baptize? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, there's an examination. Thou mayest. And of course, the eunuch said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's his testimony. And of course, we know that he baptized him. In chapter 16, again, Paul or Peter, I believe it was, Peter goes down to, uh, or is it Paul? It's Paul. He goes to uh, Joppa, in the wrong chapter here, um, or Philippi, and in verse 14 it says, And a certain woman named Lydia, seller of purple in the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken about by Paul. The word attended means she gave heed to. Or she, she obeyed it. She gave heed to it. She embraced it. And then in verse 15 says, And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, if you had judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and buy there, and she constrained us. So she had a testimony of salvation, so they baptized her. Of course, the, the Philip jailer, 
He, he believed with all his house in the same hour of the night. They washed the stripes and he was baptized. Him and his household straightway. And so there was this examination for entrance into the church that, uh, uh, through baptism or by, by letter from another church of like mind. But there's also an examination that as Christians we ought to do prior to taking the Lord's Supper. Now, this hasn't to do with our standing. We ought to know whether we're saved or not. It is for only for saved people. It's only for members of the, of the body. But this is, this is an examination of, am I living in a way that pleases the Lord, or is there something in my life that's not pleasing and I'm not willing to deal with? You notice, I mentioned 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Let's go there now, 1 Corinthians 11. You know, Paul challenged the Corinthians believers to examine themselves uh, before they ate. He says in verse 27, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. So, so to drink, eat and drink of the Lord's Supper in remembrance of Him with sin in your life is to lightly esteem or consider the Lord's body that was broken and the blood that was shed of little value. That's really what that means there. Unworthy. But he let a man examine himself and so let him eat that bread and drink of that cup. So he's, he's commanding them they should eat of this bread, but they should not do it unworthily. Now, you might, might ask yourself this question. Of course, you know, um, certain that you're a child of God and is my attitude right with God? Is there something in my life that I know is not pleasing to God? And if there is, we need to confess it, forsake it. But if it's something in my life that's not right, that I know is not right, and, and I'm not willing to do with it, we should not partake of the Lord's Supper. Because he says here, for he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation or the judgment of God to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And for this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. So, so there were some that were sickly. They were of poor health because they were participating in the Lord's Supper and considered it a, a, a light or unimportant thing. Uh, they had, they had these divisions, of course, in Corinth. They had attitude problems with each other and attitude problems because of, well, one said, I'm following Paul. One said, I'm following Peter. One said, I'm following uh, uh, Apollos. And another group said, I'm following Apollo, uh, Christ, you know. And, and Paul said, we're just laborers together with God. And so there's these divisions. And then you had the rich and the poor. And the rich were, were making a, a, a gluttonous feast out of it. And the poor over here had nothing. And they were despising their brethren by this. You see, there was attitude problems. And the problems amongst each other was, was the cause of that was their right, their, their hearts weren't right with God. And if, and so he says, look, you need to examine yourselves before you eat. And because of these problems they had in the church, there was some ill health in the church. And some that had died. It's not a light thing to despise the church of the living God. It's not a light thing to despise 
or think lightly of the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That was incorruptible blood. The blood that paid the price for the penalty of your sin and mine. And so there ought to be this self-examination of the members. Is my heart right with God? You know, Jehu, when he was executing the judgment of God upon the sons of Ahab, the house of Ahab, and he rides his chariot into Samaria, or towards Samaria, Jehonadab meets him. And Jehob says, Is thy heart right with mine heart? And he said, Yes, and he said, Then give me your right hand. And he took him up into his chariot. In other words, they were in agreement. They were in agreement. They were on the same side. You see, if, if our heart's right with God, we're in agreement with Him. But there's something in our life that we aren't in agreement with Him about. That's the lightly esteemed. And so, there needs to be a self-examination. Then also, as we consider the meeting as we talk, we consider the bread, the elements of the Lord's Supper, uh, from Matthew, Matthew 26 again, says, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread. Of course, bread is a metaphor here. It's symbolic. It's a picture of his body. It's not his literal body. You know, you know John's, some God say that, you know, Jesus said in John 6, except you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no life of you. Of course, and then he said, the words I speak unto you, they are spirit. They are life. So he was, he was speaking figuratively in that passage. And bread here is a metaphor or a symbolic, it's a picture of his body. You know, often, you, you, you really, you know, well, we don't, we don't, when we often eat bread today, of course, you know, if you buy bread, it comes already sliced. But if you were, if you were to eat bread, uh, you know, all the way they used to eat it, they just break off a chunk. So they, to, to really, to eat a loaf of bread, what do you have to do to it? You have to break it. You have to break it. We cut it. Of course, we slice it nice, so you know you can have these nice even slices nowadays. And uh, but you know that's that's breaking it. And and this a broken this broken bread is symbolic of his broken body. Isaiah 42 says, His visage was marred more than any man. And the word picture there is of his, his body was so beaten and bruised his, that he was, it was impossible to really to recognize him. His body was broken. And so that's, it's, a, it's a metaphor. It's a picture of his body. The cup, uh, referred to in verse 27 and 29, uh, eight says well, he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, "Drink you all of it." And in verse twenty nine, but I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink of it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Again, the fruit of the vine is a, a, a metaphor of His blood that was shed for the remission or the sending away of our sin. And so, so the fruit of the vine is very clear here. I believe that it's referring to grape juice. Doesn't you? This is this is you know. Many times the Bible uses uses the word wine, and you have to 
look at the context, determine whether it's talking about fermented wine or unfermented wine. But here it uses the word fruit of the vine. So new, it's talking about new wine. The Bible sometimes refers to it as new wine. In other words, it's fresh off the vine. It's unfermented. Because there's no corruption. You know, fermentation is a corruption. There was no corruption in the blood of Jesus Christ. It was incorruptible blood. And so this is a this is a metaphor again of his shed blood. And we're to do this in remembrance. It's a perpetual memorial, just like the children of Israel were to do the, observe the Passover forever. So when your children say, What mean you this? you tell them. And just just the same way, this is a reminder to us of the grace of God delivering us from the slavery of sin through the death and the shedding blood of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it has no saving merit whatsoever. It's just a reminder of what was done for us. A reminder of His death. But it's also a reminder to us that we died with Him. We died with Him. It's a, it's a reminder of a death to self and a resurrection to walk a newness of life. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six says, You do show His death until He come. And so this is the message that we are declaring when we partake of the Lord's Supper. Supper. Uh, we are also uh, uh, showing His, or declaring, we believe in Him and His coming in. If you notice in verse 29, it says, But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. I will not do this again until we're in my Father's kingdom. You know, that's a promise that one day we're going to drink it new with Him in His kingdom. You First know, 1 Corinthians 11.26 says, Will you show His death till He come? again. He is coming again. And so the, the message that we're giving here is not only that we remember what Christ died for us, but we also believe that He is coming for us. And so it's a reminder that not only did He die for us, shed His blood for the remission of our sins, but He is coming again to deliver us from the very presence of sin. And take us to be with Him where there be no more sin. And so, as we participate in the Lord's Supper tonight, we need to examine ourselves. We need to remember the price that was paid for the remission of our sins. The shedding of of His precious blood that purchased our redemption.